Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. I'm Tom Cliff, cobblers fan and proud owner of Track NN and Cafe Track. Track NN is a social enterprise set up in 2018 to support autistic people to access employment through training, support services, and creating opportunities. Research showed that just 16% of autistic adults were in full-time employment, and this is something which we are going to change. We opened our cafe on the Market Square in Northampton in January 2019 as a place where individuals could work and develop their employability skills, and also be a place where people were free to be themselves. Since opening the cafe in January 2019, we have supported 36 people into paid employment and created over 75 work experience placements and visits for individuals. Since the coronavirus outbreak, we've not been able to open Cafe Track to its full capacity and we've instead taken our offering online. You can help support us by buying coffee virtually at buymeacoffee.com forward slash cafe track. Your money goes to helping us to continue to create opportunities for autistic adults to gain employment. Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Hello, welcome to the It's All Cobblers to Me preview show. My name's Charles. It's very nice to have you here. I'm joined, as usual, by my good friend and Bristolian these days, Danny Brothers. How are you, Danny? You okay? Hey, I'm all right. I'm a bit nervous about this. I'm not going to go out the house if it don't go right at the weekend. <laughs> it's going to be one of those. Definitely not going to go running. In, yeah, I usually go running in my cobbler shirt, so I probably won't do that if, if it all goes to pot. Ah, it's fine, mate. Just run around shouting 98 out the window or, you know, every street corner you get to. I wouldn't worry about it. There's more important things in the past. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, it's been one of those weeks, hasn't it? It feels very short because because obviously we last played on Monday, on Easter Monday, with that pretty limp display against Hull. And then, you know, we're back in action on Saturday. So there's a much shorter turnaround. And it kind of feels like there's there's not really an awful lot for us to talk about. Yeah, it's weird not having a Tuesday night game, but then it being on, on the Monday because... It's a short, It feels like it's a midweek game, but it wasn't really because it was just such a short weekend that it 
took us through our usual emotions of yeah we're going to stay up and no we're useless <laughs> um, all in the space of four days rather than space of four or five days so yeah it's uh probably be handy for the rest so we can fully focus on this game because this is like this is pretty much do or die now isn't it yeah it is i think it's it's i'm, I'm not gonna use the words or the phrase that no, I don't. You, you you normally <laughs> jinx us with that it's not worked at all this season. <laughs> it's absolutely not, mate. No, not at all. So I'm I'm not going to use it. I, it is, though, probably the biggest game of the season that we've got left. But then again, once it's gone, regardless of what the result is, the next game will be the biggest game, won't it? And it will just go on and on like that. So I don't know. We have got a Bristol Rovers fan coming up for you in a bit. Um, but first of all, I just want to say um, thank you very much for the kind words and the, the really nice reaction to the last pod. Obviously, we were discussing everything that had happened over the weekend, football-wise, with the Cobblers, but also um, the, the the tragic, tragic passing of, of former Cobblers defender uh, Lee Collins. Now, today, as we record, it has been confirmed that that Lee did take his own life, and I just really want to just reaffirm what I said on "It's All Cobblers to Me" uh, that was released on Tuesday, which is that if you you know, you feel like you need to reach out for any reason, then then please do to anybody, to anybody that will listen. And if you're the reverse and you're maybe worried about a friend or a family member, then then maybe just send them a message and just say, how are you? And don't let them just, you know, say fine back at you. You know, just show them that you care, show them that you're interested and, and you never know. It could um, just turn somebody's day around. So uh, just with that, again, thanks very much for all the kind comments that we received off the back of it. And, uh, you know, look, if if you can go out there and just, just see if your friends and your family are all okay. We've obviously been missing a lot of people over the past year. So let's go away and, and you know, be nice and, and reach out to people uh, in the wake of all of this. Um, so from that to something else that is, well, we, we're kind of going for the dreadfully, or from the dreadfully sad to just the oh, the blood-boiling anger that has rose up inside me today, Danny. I don't know about you, but mm. I saw uh, a tweet this morning that came out from Brentford uh, FC um, where it would seem that, former Cobblers player Ivan Tony receives, and I quote, yet more spineless racist abuse uh, through his Instagram account um, this week. And just, oh, Danny, you might have to take over because my blood's boiling here. It's Yeah, it's, <clears throat> and there was a few more last night, wasn't there? There was um, couple, uh, three of the Liverpool players were targeted mm. as well before their game against Madrid. Was that before um, their game? It was, yeah, yeah. It was before, apparently it was all in the, in the lead up to it. Yeah. So um, I think Callum Robinson, West Brom player on Saturday and obviously Tony, there's been, it's been going on all season and it's just, it's the, the sad thing is that it's not shocking anymore. And like when it happens, it becomes, and it's happened again and it's happened again. And like Brentford were right in what they said. It's spineless. It's it's spineless people who had sat behind a keyboard who don't have anything better to do than go and attack someone. Um, but not only that, to attack someone because of the colour of their skin. It's it's so deplorable. It's just it's ridiculous. And like you said, it gets the blood boiling because how is this still being let being let happen all these months later after it's happened before? Um and they're getting away with it. Nothing's been done about it. It's been going on for the majority of this season, it seems to have been since, you know, since lockdown and everything. And it's, it's just time for these blanket statements that if I think it's Facebook that I own Instagram, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That, that they put out, they put something out in February that said, Oh, we're horrified about the continued abuse of footballers. Um, we will take more action to prevent this. We're two months later and what's happened? Nothing, no, nothing's happened. It's still, it's like things need to happen now, especially on social media where anyone can just log in as anyone, make up their own account and throw abuse at someone completely like, without anything coming back at them. Like, 
when we will just get this to this point where social media becomes you have to have some sort of ID to, to get in. It, it shouldn't take that much to set up like or mm. shut it down. Like shut social media down to make it happen. Like, I don't care if my Instagram or my Facebook goes away for a few months while they sort this out. Like it, this is a bigger issue than people having like sending pictures of their dinner every five minutes, isn't it? It's it's a bigger <laughs> Stop issue. Stop looking at my than, Instagram, you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's a bigger issue than us, um, you know, sending all the nonsense that I send every every mm-hmm. few hours. Or you know, this is a bigger life thing than then all of that, like if it needs to be shut down while they sort it out, shut it down because it's, it's, I don't care how much it costs you. I don't care what we have to do to get it fixed. Just get it done now because it's getting ridiculous. And Hmm. you know, you can't, I can't put myself in any of those players positions, obviously. Um, So I can't understand how they're feeling, but you can only imagine like the hurt that it causes them. And just because their profession is something that's like this is, um, is in the spotlight. It, sh- it shouldn't be allowed to happen. The thing that winds me up, I mean, you're you're right in what you're saying, and I completely agree with you with regards to social media, Facebook, and all of that. But the thing that it comes back to at the end of the day is that there are people that are just downright scum. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, I can't put it any other way, because essentially if, if you think that somebody is lesser than you are, simply because they've got a they look different or you know they they've got a different religion they believe in a different deity than you do or whatever it is that you believe you just need to take a look at yourself i'm i'm sorry but yeah. it's got to the point where it's just like you're what's wrong with society and it's the problem is with you it's not with me it's with you because you've got some sort of weird thing where you believe that you're better than anybody else guarantee you that every single one of the players that you know we've talked about Ivan Tony uh the Liverpool lads um Callum Robinson all of those like guarantee you that they are all better people than you are if that's the way that you think about people of that particular skin tone I just take a look at your life and sort yourself out and realize that you're not the be all and end all. And I'd kind of like to extend that also a bit to, to people that just don't think it seems to be a problem. It quite clearly is a problem in this country. Stop ignoring it. Stop just pretending that, you know, people that turn around and say, Oh, I've got people of color that are my friends and they don't have an issue. Maybe you need to actually speak to them a little bit more. and, And rather than, you know, try and force them into a corner, actually listen to what they've got to say. It just that's, winds that's me That's exactly what it is. It's, it's about listening, isn't it? It's like listening without any agenda, listening to their stories, listening to where they've come from or what their daily struggles are. Like, And this goes for, for anything, like I say, about age, race, gender, sexuality, religion, anything. Let's start, just listen to people. And, like, and there's a wider issue of, about government stuff as well about how little um like history lessons are being taught about this this kind of thing like that and that's a wider thing but in until things like that happen happens then like the attitudes of some of these people are just not going to change annoyingly and sadly and it's and it's is is a massive issue with the country no matter how much the government say there's nothing institutionally (laughs) racist about the country well there clearly is and this proves it, and it's a worldwide and so humanity problem that needs to be tackled. Um, yeah, or else we're going to end up with with more and more stories like the likes of Caroline Flack last year that everyone was pouring out their hearts over, and uh, rightly so about what happened. And the next five minutes, you see someone's being racially abused online again, like it's forgotten. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's just not good enough from everyone involved in it. Just from a from a cobbler's perspective, I mean, look, I I. I put my hands up here and say I've never ever heard anything racial or otherwise being said at Sixfields, for example. Um, I've never heard anybody in the stands ever say anything uh, towards a player or another person in the stands um, who is a person of colour. I've not heard that, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. And I think that's mm-hmm. actually one of the things that we all need to sort of just realise is that just because you don't you know, see or hear it 
doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. You know, I've, I've never seen a million quid, Danny, but, you know, apparently it does <laughs> exist somewhere. Did you not buy Christian Lee in the end? <laughs> no, I didn't. It was all a ruse. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on and let's go and talk about this coming weekend. Uh, I'm delighted to say that joining us live from Danny's basement in Bristol <laughs> is a uh, Bristol Rovers fan, uh, Gashead himself. It's uh, Michael Willett. How are you, Michael? Are you well? Hello, boys. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. I'm very glad to hear it. Um, let's get straight into it then. Bristol Rovers and the Cobblers, for me, feel a bit entwined in their sort of recent history go back sort of 20 years or so then we were always there or thereabouts with each other there's obviously been um a couple of relegation scraps a couple of promotion battles as well when you've gone up we've gone up and vice versa or it's only taken us a year or so to rejoin the other um this time around both of us are fighting to stay in league one now, obviously, last time we faced each other, you came out on top right at the start of the season. You had what was, uh, would we call it a comfortable win? 2-0. We had a man sent off as well, which uh, doesn't bode quite well. Although uh, that man, Joe Martin, is no longer at the club. Uh, <laughs> so that can't happen again, which is good. Um, but tell us about how things have been going since that. 2-0 victory over us on the 3rd of October, Michael. Well, um, I, I think that was a very sunny day, um, that particular victory. <laughs> I, think, I think it was our first win in a season. Um, and we that was that was three managers ago. That was Ben Garner. Um, and we thought, this is it. This is um, funny enough, I was watching the highlights before I came on tonight and all the comments beneath it were like, this is where the season starts and you know, it's only up from here. Um, and to be honest, that that game, I remember thinking, yeah, we look, we look pretty good. Um, you know, we passed the ball quite well. And, and Joe Martin, by the way, used to play for us as well. He was on loan. Um, bizarrely, we, we loaned him when we were in League One. We loaned him from Stevenage, who were in League Two. So nobody could understand it. He played like 10 games and scored a worldie at uh, Sunderland away, I think, and, and then disappeared. So he ended up at you guys and got sent off against us. So, um, yeah, he wasn't much of a player. Um, but, yeah, so as far as, far as like, Bristol Rovers and, and our journey this season, it has been uh, unbelievable, really. Um, I, I honestly, well, before I came on tonight, I thought, right, well, how on earth am I going to be able to sum up the whole season it's been such a almost ridiculous um story really sacking managers poor recruitment you can you can list anything really that there's kind of been a reason that's contributed to our sort of downfall this year but somehow still in there just about just just like you guys just kind of probably at many points this season probably thought i think we're down now and then suddenly a win out of nowhere and you're back in it again which is classic football. You just never know. And as much as Saturday feels like a must win, it's really that the must win games are always the ones that are, you know, going to keep you in the division. So even if, even if one of us loses on Saturday, there's still a chance, but you know, it's, it's unbelievable what, what we've been through this year. It's, it's unbelievably tight as a as a league as a whole, really, isn't it? I mean, you go from bottom place Rochdale, they're on thirty three points, come up to us um, in nineteenth, and we're only on thirty nine. So it's not unrealistic that we could still end up finishing bottom. <laughs> I don't want yeah. that to happen, obviously. But out of all of the bottom six. It's only the two of us who have played 40 games. So we are literally, we've got six games left of this season to go and that is it. Um, Everybody else has got a game or two games in hand on us. Like you say, it it is a must-win game this on Saturday for, for both sides. It's just do or die at the moment. But every single time that you get a good result, it seems that the other teams around you get a good result as well. It's so hard to call, and I don't know whether you sort of feel 
in limbo. We say every week on the pod, don't we, Danny, that, you know, like at the weekend on Friday, we beat Shrewsbury. So we're all like, yes, we've, we're in it. You know, we're battling and, and we could stay up. This is great. And then we lose to Hull on Easter Monday in a very bad performance. Lackluster, I think, was a good word to describe it. And you're instantly just going, well, there you go. We're down. It's just a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been like that pretty much all season, really, for us. Just, you know, we, we were talking about must-win games back in January. Like, it just felt like, surely now, you know, this is the this is the moment we're going to start kicking on. Uh, it, it's been really strange because for most for the most part i've i've often felt like the squad that we've acquired this year isn't bad and it's probably lacking a few maybe a few leaders um we we let go a lot of experienced players in the summer and you know the the kind of direction of the club was very much like well we want to bring through younger players who've got their careers ahead of them and we can you know maybe um maybe sell them for profit and they're very open about that kind of strategy and which makes sense, you know, the whole we'll buy low, sell high kind of thing. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully that hopefully won't sort of impact our ability on the pitch. But, you know, we sold Johnson Clark Harris for, I think, 1.2 million to Peterborough. And he scored 26 goals this season. Um, and you take that amount of goals out of any team and they'll struggle, particularly at this level, because I don't believe there's a massive difference between the top and bottom. So you take 26 goals out, that, that is the difference between top and bottom almost. And you know, we've suffered as a result. We've tried to gamble on maybe other players, maybe younger players, and they're just not quite ready yet. And, you know, as I say, without the leadership in that team, I think we've really struggled. Is it all down to Johnson Clark Harris leaving? I mean, I, I know you've said that there are other factors as well, but I mean... There was a point last season, was it early doors, where you were right up at the top of the league in League One and he was the top goal scorer in the league, banging them in for fun? Yep, yep. So, I mean, we, we had, so that was the four managers ago. That was that was Graham Coughlin. Um, so we, we, we had Daryl Clark before that. He got sacked. I mean, bit of a legend, Daryl Clark. Shout out to him. But he, he, got, he got sacked. Sadly, you know, his, his sort of era came to an end. Graham Coughlin came in and he was this sort of, you know, um, defensive coach and a proper old school manager, never really managed before, but had this kind of, you know, ethos of, right, we're just going to get in their faces, you know, backs against the wall. And the football was really wasn't pretty. But whilst he was there, we signed Johnson Clark Harris and, you know, he scored goals for fun and we were pretty good defensively. So, you you manage to tick both both of those boxes. You, you're going to be pretty competitive in in any league, and and that's really what happened. But when bizarrely Graham Coughlin left and joined Mansfield, who were in League Two, um, you know, which you know, incredible set of circumstances. I mean, we beat Ipswich away, and we all thought, and we we were third in the table, and we thought things can't get better. And then in the in the presser after, he basically announced he was leaving, <laughs> and we yeah we couldn't couldn't really believe it um and then we appointed ben garner who you know was a you know illustrious coach he'd been around you know the sort of top end of the game coaching apparently worked with jose Mourinho and all this stuff he had all these stories but also ultimately hadn't managed at all and the inexperience really kind of shone through and, and we just sort of plummeted through the league and really what saved its job was was actually the season being curtailed. Um, and then here we are, really. Um, they kind of backed it in the summer to you know, sort of ship out all the kind of uh, older players, shall I say, and then build a new squad together. But then 11 games into this season, they sacked him. So they backed him, then sacked him, and, and we kind of just had this weird chopping and changing all season long. And, it, and it's just... It's really bizarre, really. It, we've kind of ended up in a weird situation where we've had three managers and none of them have really had the time with the squad to really put their stamp on it. So it's been a really strange season. Can I ask about um, Joey Barton? So he's our own managers. So we had um, we did a live show after Keith Carl got sacked and we were throwing it around all the names and Joey Barton's name came up and 
a lot of people were surprised when I said, actually, I wouldn't mind him coming in because he knows the league and he did quite a good job, job at Fleetwood. Um, obviously, there's a lot of controversy that surrounds him as well. Mm. What did you think before he was appointed of him? And has that changed at all since? There was a lot of talk about Joey Byron immediately. Um, and I think one of the the general theme around, you know, as the season's progressed, is that the squad lacks that kind of... Um, that toughness, and so the next manager needs to be a, it needs to be someone who doesn't take any mess in, you know, who's going to fire him up, kind of thing. And so, you know, in in comes Joey Barron, and I think that the sort of the view beforehand was, you know, I personally didn't really think much of him. Um, I, I, it's hard to know really what he's like as a person. I know you. He's, he's got a hell of a rap sheet that that's not very impressive, which is one thing. I thought he did okay at Fleetwood, but I think Fleetwood have just always been a sort of, you know, they've they've clearly got a bit of financial backing and and been able to bring in some some pretty good players like you know, Paddy Madden, Chet Evans, people like that. I mean, they must be on a fair fair wage, probably more than we we probably wouldn't be able to afford players like that, sadly. Um, so I think he did he did a good job at Fleetwood, but I, I was always a bit kind of it wasn't mind blowing. Anyway, when he came to us, it really split the the fan base. I mean, the fan base was kind of at each other's throats for a while. You were you were either a bit of a snowflake if you if you didn't like him coming in, or or you were a thug apologist if you if you were a fan of his. You know, it was it was an odd it was an odd time. But his his record since he's come in has also been pretty atrocious, to be honest. And now now the kind of narrative is that well, it's not his team, so. He needs next season. He needs the summer to kind of, you know, build his own squad, which is fair, to be honest. Um, and he does say the right things generally. Like he's he's really fired up. He wants, you know, he he was talking about um, he he's, he was running over the suspension bridge, and he said he he, he looked out across the city, and he, he said this is ours to take over and stuff like that. And he thought, bloody, you know, this this guy, <laughs> this guy, he knows he knows football fans. He knows that we're we're all going to love this. But ultimately, you got you got to win games, and and we've not done that enough. And we've looked a bit better, but it's you know, we've we've won you know, fantastically on on Monday. So naturally, as football fans, suddenly now we're all on board again, um, and we'll we'll just see what Saturday brings. But it's kind of it's a bit mixed, um, and I think generally what you end up getting is you know you kind of end up in a situation where people who were really against the appointment. We're almost reveling in the fact that we'd lost five games in a row and very quick to point out that they'd said that they were against the appointment. Suddenly they'd gone a bit quiet because we won on Monday and and suddenly the other lot are, are getting a chance to say their piece. I, I'm just kind of in the middle. I just All I want is is for Bristol Rovers to succeed and if that's Joey Barton, then, then so be it. You know, I'm all for it, really. That sounds very, very familiar to uh, how our fan base is, Michael. So do know that you're not alone. One thing that I wanted to uh, uh, jump in and say, actually, was when you would say about what Joey Barton said when he was out running. That sounds like something that's come straight out of the Ian Holloway playbook. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I absolutely love that. Um, And yet. I'm not a massive fan of uh, Joey Barton, but hey, if he if he was going to say the other thing is, of course, Daddy, this is your opportunity, roving reporter, get out there running and find Joey Barton on top of a suspension bridge. <laughs> Just see what he does. Hopefully, he won't hit. Yeah, it's poetry that was, wasn't it? That you said <laughs> absolutely gorgeous. Um, I, I was I was having a quick look before at at players that, as, as I said, we do seem to be a little bit entwined. Uh, the two clubs with with certain things, so big games that are in in the the history of the clubs, um, but also players as well who have played for both. And and of the, the, I mean the first one, the most obvious one to go for is is John Joe O'Toole, I think, um, of recent times. I mean, you yep. guys weren't happy at all, were you, when he left you to come to Sixfields? Well, it was strange. I mean, I was always a, I was always a fan of John Joe, but he. So we we got relegated out of the conf, uh, you know, into the conference that season. So there was a lot of angry gasheads at that time. But and he'd kind of done an article for, I think, a national newspaper, and basically within it, he'd said 
and this was right in the running, you know, maybe five games to go. And he'd done this article, and it was about how you know he, he sees himself, you know, beyond Rovers and kind of pushing up the league. He, he doesn't want to be at the foot of League Two, kind of thing, and and that obviously didn't go down well with the fans at all. Um, but I think he was he was just that kind of sort of free spirited sort of bloke. He just kind of said what he felt and. Um, obviously, the, on the last day of that season, we get relegated, and of course, we've got fans on the pitch, and they're all pushing and showing. You know, basically, everyone's after blood at this point. And poor old, you know, John Joe, um, he's just kind of caught in the firing line. I mean, he got out okay, I think. I mean, it was wasn't too bad. It was just you could you know, the aftermath of that was this guy. You know, he he totally screwed us over, kind of thing. But I I never really held that view, and I I thought he was probably one of our better players that year. Did, did all he could to keep us in the league and it was, it was the problem was not him it was definitely elsewhere in the team I think he was your am I right in saying he was your top goal scorer maybe that year or at least he was one of I think he was and and bizarrely I think for a side that got relegated out of the football league I think we ended up with two players in the team of the year which is a bit of a kick in the teeth if I'm, if I'm honest that's incredible I've yeah. never known that to happen yeah I know Mad, but there you are. That's Bristol Rovers for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, more recently is is Chris Lines. Now, yeah. obviously, Chris Lines, he, he's a gashead as well at heart. Um, so getting to play for his boyhood club, he, he was one of your own, as the song goes. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, he's now at Stevenage. I mean, do you still look at wh- where he is and how he's doing as a gashead? Fantastic player, uh, Chris Lines. Um you know, I'd be interested to to hear your thoughts on him when, when during his time here. But he he came through, um, he came through the youth team. Um, it, you know, he he would also get a bit of stick. I mean, it wasn't always um, plain sailing for him. I mean, I think he was one of those lads that, um, uh, you know, he was a young lad in Bristol, and I think he kind of enjoyed the nightlife a little bit, and he kind of had that about him. But when he left us and he joined Sheffield Wednesday, I think he really realised then, you know. Okay, I'm at a proper club here, and he, he when he actually came back to Bristol, uh, you know, to, to help us get out of the conference, he was just a, a class above everyone else. I mean, I know we were in the conference, but he just had that. You know, certain players just have that sort of aura about them, and they get the ball. It just feels like they've got all the time in the world to do what they want, just because they got that confidence and that ability. That first touch is just better than everyone else's, and yeah, he was he was just. A revelation for us and it was so good to to get him back and get promotion um yeah he was just just a just a, a really good lad as well and he clearly grown up and and realized he, he wanted to come back to Bristol Rovers and he's still very much in, in contact with with the club as well so it's, it's all, all ended well really obviously Keith Curl there was a former Bristol Rovers player from many many years ago but one yep. other player that has graced both the Mem and the Six Rules Turf is, of course, the one and only. That's right. It's Chris Carruthers. Any memories <laughs> of old CC for you there? I Michael? thought you were going David Hunt for a minute, Charles. I thought you were going David Hunt. <laughs> Chris Carruthers. Well, I mean, he he you know he was involved in a side that got promoted out of League Two, and um, he did okay. Yeah, he was, he was all right. I think he was one of those that kind of was a little bit scapegoated a lot. He was a player that if you know if we lost a game. Generally, people would tend to point the finger at Chris Carruthers, but he had a decent left foot, and um, yeah, he was all right. Was he was he at you before Rovers or after? I think did we sign him from you? Yeah, I think you signed him from us. He played for Oxford as well. I don't know whether that was yeah uh, in between or not, but yeah, he he was in our youth team. Um, and the reason why I mention him is because I went to school with him. So, there it is. There it is. There's the real reason. <laughs> so that, he hasn't mentioned that this season no, yet. No, not, 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 not at all. No, not at all. Him and Luke Chambers. I'd never mention that, do I? Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Okay, there's some players that, that have played for both. Um, the only, well, the other thing, and this is something that is a topic that we always get onto at the moment these days, is the issue of, of ownership of the football club. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but aren't you owned by some ridiculous millionaire? Um, yes and no. 
I mean, so so our owner is um, Well Alcadi, um, and his so he he took over the club with his family um, about five or six years ago, um, and his family are from um, they're sort of Jordanian bankers really, so they're wealthy, but being bankers they're kind of very careful with their money. So it's not quite as lavish as it sounds. It's not a case of like we've just right now we've got a you know bottomless pit of money we can just spend. Very clearly there was a they had this sort of tagline of it's not revolution it's evolution. Um, I don't know if they're actually talking about you know billions of years before we actually see any progress, but um, I hope not. But what interestingly what happened in the summer was that whale. Uh, actually took full ownership so he he bought out the rest of his family so he now very much kind of owns the club um at least about 95 percent of the club i think so what we're seeing now is a little bit more of a kind of plan because there was always this feeling before that the family were kind of holding him back a little bit that this was his project and the family weren't really invested in it so we always had this sort of delay of not really sure there was always talk of like new stadiums training grounds that kind of thing but nothing really happening and that's we, we've had that you know ever since i've been following rovers as a boy we've been talking about new stadiums and new infrastructure for as long as i've been around so you know this all felt very familiar of you know all talk but no real action but since he's taken full ownership what we have seen is the development of a, a new training ground which um is fantastic news for the club um, the prob- that's probably caused some issues as well this year with with um, we've kind of moved to this new training pitch, but it's not complete. So all the players, there's no training, uh, there's no changing rooms or anything in place yet. So they've just got the pitches. So all the players are kind of turning up already in their you know, already in their training gear and stuff. So it's all a bit, it's not quite as slick as I think they want it, but it's progress. And I feel like we're a club maybe in transition a little bit. Uh, you know, with this new approach of you know developing players, selling them on that kind of thing. But the, the annoying thing for me is that we've got that plan. They were very open about that plan, but then to sack two managers in a season kind of suggests that hang on, you you do want some kind of revolution. You know, this this idea of you know is for the long term. You've got to give some of these managers a bit more time to to make their stamp felt um i think so i think i think there's a lot of heart and desire at club ownership level to do well for the club but i i'm just concerned that there's not a lot of maybe football experience on that board that can just calm things down and just have a proper plan because at the moment it's just just feels like it's words and it's not really it's not really being demonstrated by the decisions that have been made i don't think how um how connected do you feel to the club with him as the owner? I think I think pretty well. I think he he's a very likable person. I mean, obviously it's been a tough year anyway. I think the club have done really well in terms of reaching out to the community and things like that. They 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 have done that really well. Um, one thing they're going to do with the training pitch is have um, kind of like a, a plaque with all the names of people who bought season tickets this season as a kind of reminder of. You know, the, these are the fans that stood by us when when no one else would, kind of thing. And I think that was a kind of nice touch. And they, I, they've done really well at that kind of thing throughout this this period. Um, but you know, what what we don't want to see, and what Bristol Rovers fans have had to kind of get used to over the over the years, is whenever things start going bad on the pitch, I'll just release a good, you know, a, a few good statements and, and positive words, and suddenly we're just gonna lap it up and we generally do because we we we're so sort of invested in the club we want the club to do well and if the if they're speaking positively then you know that's great but ultimately things do need to start progressing and i appreciate that right now is the hardest time for all clubs so you know just surviving is probably is probably enough for now but longer term we obviously just want to be starting to progress as a football club really I've been looking up, obviously you've been in and out of form a little bit um, recently, but I've looked up a couple of players in particular because they're ones that I naturally get worried about, <laughs> and that's goal scorers. And 
the the one I've kind of highlighted in the minute is Luke McCormick, who scored both goals against Doncaster um, on loan from Chelsea, and it really seems to have got going under Joey Barton. Um, I think he hadn't scored until like December originally. Seems to speak quite highly of Barton and and what he's done to change his game. But he's, he seems to be one of these players that he really reminds me of what Callum Morton did for us last season in terms of he's got that youthful sort of confidence and he's got he just seems to have that star touch about him that that's above this level and like you can tell he's going to play at a higher level and that concerns me a little bit um going into this one because he just seems to be really thriving in the button yeah well i i um he's a big fan favorite as you can imagine um i mean i think initially when we signed him we've had a few player young lads from chelsea and he haven't quite worked out in the past um but yeah, he's he's really mature. I mean, he comes across brilliantly as well. Like in his interviews, very sort of level-headed and completely bought into the you know the, the the ethos under all of our managers. I might add that he's been he just seems to be a real team player. Um, you know, and people love him because he, he just works incredibly hard. He, he's a real workhorse. But the the kind of flashes of brilliance I, I saw like um. A, a highlight reel earlier that a Rovers fan had put together, like all of his goals, and all of his goals are absolute you know, blockbusters. I mean, fantastic, and he and he has that in his locker. But for every wonderful strike that we see in the top corner, I, I probably see about five or six scuff shots that go past the post every game. Um, he also has that in his locker, where he's he can be a bit. He's just so sort of energized and so kind of keen to make an impression. Sometimes he doesn't use that energy in the right way, and he can he can sometimes be against some of the better sides. He can be almost a little bit of a kind of headless chicken sometimes. Um, but he is young, and he he will get better. I'm I'm sure that if not next season, maybe later in his career, I'm sure he'll be playing at a higher level. Um, but he, he's been he's been really good for us, and you know he's he's definitely in form at the moment. I would say actually before. Maybe before Monday, I wasn't sure he, he was actually developing that well under Barton, but um, certainly Monday, he was absolutely he just had one of those games where he like blimey, you know, he, he kind of won us that match there, and um, yeah, long may that continue at least at least for the next six games, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed. A couple of other players I wanted to mention that younger players that Barton's brought in, uh, Zane Walker, who's nineteen, he looks quite a lively player. I think he was playing an under eighteen or under twenty three game and. Barton just had a look and said he wasn't training with them. Um, so he brought him in, seems to have done well since he's come in. And the other one, uh, Pablo Martinez, who's 20, who actually came off the bench for Oxford City against us in the FA Cup earlier in the season. Um, less said about that, the better. But <laughs> but obviously he was playing in, what the, that's the sixth tier at that point, And he's mm. suddenly come out of nowhere to, to play in, I think, out of position in the middle of the park. And it seems to have have quite a calm head on young shoulders which is pretty much exactly what you need right now yeah um you know i was a bit concerned um at one point because well one thing that that sort of frustrated me a little bit um with joey Barron was that it didn't take him long um once he'd got in charge we'd lost a couple of games and he was already mentioning about going down and oh next season we've got a bill for next season if we go down and all this well hang on we we haven't got relegated yet And, and then then he started then he started playing the likes of Pablo Martinez and Zane Walker, and I thought, man, he's really sort of scraping the barrel in terms of, you know, he's almost trying to make the point of, look, I've got nothing to work with here, I've got only kids, but they have, they've really, you know, stepped up to the plate. In particular, um, Pablo Martinez in the games that I've seen him just really calm, influenced. Not, you know, he's pressing well, but he's good on the ball, and I think. I think Zane Walker, he's, he's clearly very young, raw talent, you know, but we, we don't really have a lot of pace in the team. So when he gets on the ball and he can, you know, just, just suddenly inject a bit of pace on the wing, suddenly think, OK, well, we've been missing that all year. So it's, it's good to have that as an option um, whilst we've got quite a few experienced players out injured. So, um, you know, and in the last six games, you know, you never know. It might just take one of these lads to become the hero that you need but um but yeah it's, it's two sort of solid additions to the squad all of a sudden kind of out of nowhere so really pleased about that shall we move on and get some predictions then it's what we do at the end of every preview show michael we'll come to you last I, 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 i'm so scared danny about this game <laughs> if i'm being honest because I, yeah. I, i'm in that position where i 
I kind of don't want to make a prediction because I don't want to get myself feeling, you know, too excited <laughs> or get too ahead of myself almost. But it is a must win, I think. And I'm so worried about how the Cobblers have been when we've been playing in other must-win games. But I think of late, those must-win games that we've done really badly in have all been away from home. And we've been all right at Six Fields. So... Uh, it was Rochdale and Wigan, though, then, wasn't it? Well, that, that's, that's pre-Brady, though, isn't it? I'm going to predict a scrappy 1-0 win. And I'm, oh. and I'm already regretting it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one to just dread. It's it, it's especially because you can't be there, and that makes such a difference in these games. This is one where, especially, you want fans in there, and you know you know what type of atmosphere it would be. Um, like weirdly, it'd be a much better atmosphere than it would be if it was a mid-table game. Um, you know, if we were doing slightly better, then people would just sit there and let the game happen. But you you think of this, and you think this is pretty much last chance saloon, as we said earlier that. Now, realistically, if we don't win this game, we're in huge trouble because the fixtures coming up after it, and, and uh, there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of pressure on it, and you just want the fans to be there. You want us to be to be able to do something, to be able to encourage them and, and get behind them because there'd be a cracking atmosphere inside the ground if we were there. Um, and because it's because we're not, it just makes it that bit more like detached and helpless. You feel about going into a game like this that's going to shape the rest of the season and probably the next few months as well. So it's hard to make a prediction. Um, it feels like you're filibustering. <laughs> it does. Yeah. That's when I'm trying to think of what I'm going to say. <laughs> it can't go much worse than the six nil kind of that um, they gave us a couple of years ago. We don't, we don't um, talk about that. <laughs> um, I'm going to go, oh, I think there's goals. Now. I'm going to go two, one cobblers because I can't, I can't envisage anything else. I want us just to have that little bit of hope. Two, one. Okay. Michael, the last word is yours, my friend. Uh feel free to give your honest prediction. You're both you're both right. This is gonna be this is gonna be one tense afternoon of football. Uh I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a one nil rovers. because uh, I, I don't think either of us are very free scoring this season. So I think it, either way it's gonna be a very it's gonna be very, very close, I think. I'm gonna go one nil. It's the fact that all three of us just don't sound confident in in a the prediction that we give and b wanting to make the prediction in the first place. Uh, I think that's that says it all for me. I, I think really what we need to do is try and work out a plan where we both stay up and we screw the other four over. I think that's what we need to do. <laughs> we do can you know what? I'd, be, I'd be quite happy to. I'd be quite happy to do it, in all honesty. I know. <laughs> not, not just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know Danny would be quite favourable in that. And, and, and of course, if we can work out a way of getting Bristol City relegated. That would probably, oh, of course, uh, yeah. yeah, help as well. <laughs> then, then Danny can go to at least three games next season. That would be um, pretty. Good. Your um, your fixtures aren't that like, great either. Looking at them, are they? Like after this, they're not. No, they're not. They're, like, um, great, usually. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we got Blackpool on the last day, and I, I swear I I checked Blackpool out about two or three weeks ago, and they were like thirteenth. And I thought, oh, brilliant! You know, on the last day of the yeah. season, we're <laughs> going to be playing Blackpool with nothing to play for, but. No, they're right in the right in the mix of the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I think we're all in that sort of situation. And I, I know your fixtures are, are particularly scary on paper, but I think sometimes you get those weird games at this stage of the season, don't you? When teams at the bottom just can turn it on against teams at the top, it just some, somehow sometimes the pressure gets to the teams at the top. And actually, there's a bit of realization to the teams at the very bottom, and they just—it's almost like sometimes the table flips around. But we'll just have to see. It's going to be—we're uh, all going to age about twenty years, I think, in the in these next six games. What a year? Yeah, yeah. Charles, a uh, quick question: hmm. Would you prefer us to win five out of six but lose to Posh, or beat Posh and lose the other five and go down? The only way to answer this <laughs> is um, to say that right now, as it stands, all I care about is staying up. So for all I care, as long as we stay up, they could hammer us. 
but okay, ask me again on the day of the game. Yeah, so when we're yeah. previewing that game next week, is it next week? It is, isn't it? Oh, yeah, we can ask get one of their fans, don't we? Yeah. Hmm, maybe. Uh, yeah, ask me again this time next week, and, and then I'll tell you whether or not we need to win that game for my season to be complete. Oh, don't make, you've made me start thinking about next week already. Stop it, Danny. Bad, <laughs> bad Danny. Um, that's it for this week's preview show. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thanks to Michael for being our fan from Bristol Rovers. It's been a pleasure having you on, Michael. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much both and best of luck for the rest of the season, sort of. But, um... <laughs> no, you don't mean that, do you? <laughs> <laughs> that's what you both say. I'll stick with <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you're interested, right now there is a bonus episode of the pod looking at the NTFC accounts that were released last week. That's a chat between myself and the price of football's Kieran Maguire. It's available on the Patreon tier. So if you pay £10 a month or more, you can get early access to that. Otherwise, the pod will be out for everybody to listen to in a week's time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Please, God, let's win this game and let's go into next week on a high for the love of... There's the cup. There's the pictures you'll see on tomorrow's back pages. The Cobblers are going through into Division 1. Bring them on because we deserve it. I'm Tom Cliff, creator of the world-famous online stand-up bingo, which started out its life at Northampton Town Football Club. Join me every Saturday at 2.15pm on the Cafe Track Facebook page for your chance to be crowned stand-up bingo champion of the world. Every ticket purchase goes towards keeping Cafe Track and Track NN, a social enterprise dedicated to helping people to access work experience and hopefully employment. Buy your ticket now at buymeacoffee.com forward slash cafe track. Make sure you leave your chosen 15 numbers between 1 and 90 in the comment section and then play along live on the Saturday afternoons before the Cobblers game. So go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash cafe track now and get your ticket for the world famous stand up bingo. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin, and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.